We all have goals in life, all kinds of goals. They might involve family, friends, or our careers. Our guest today has no doubt had many goals in his life, and we're going to talk about a few of them. But first, here are some numbers to consider. He's responsible for 3,200 offices and 48,000 real estate agents in 36 countries around the world. But what makes the president and co-founder of the Remax Network get up in the morning and roll up his sleeves? What motivates him? What drives him? And what are his fears? I'm Desmond Brown, and today on Sold in the Six, we're going to be speaking with Walter Schneider, one of the men who is responsible for bringing Remax to Ontario. Walter, I'm so excited to have you join us on Sold in the Six today. Welcome. Thank you. Nice to be here. Thanks for the invite. Great to be here. Uh, so, Walter, I go back to the 80s for Remax. Back in 1985 was the first time I actually, well, when I first joined the real estate industry, mm -hmm. I was with Remax Hallmark, and a gentleman by the name of Kent Shepard recruited me uh, to join Remax. And back then, Remax was new to the game. Um, it was a concept that changed the entire real estate industry. So tell me, you had to take a risk, you know, just mm -hmm. like people buying real estate, you had to take a risk in changing the real estate industry, taking on a concept that was not even seen before. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, I mean, I've always been a contrarian, I think, in, in my behavior, whatever I've invested in, I think that you, know, you can follow the sheep and you're going to get cheap results, right? So I mm -hmm. think that you uh, you have to be... I, Remax, when we first saw it in 1980, Christian, I started in 1980 with uh, my partner, Frank Polzer and Greg Gilmore, the three of us that started here in Canada. And, um, and I'm Toronto-based and born, born and bred here in Toronto. <laughs> and when we saw it, it was a fledgling concept. But yes, you're absolutely right, Des. I mean, it was, a, it was an embryonic fledgling concept. Uh, had a few, uh, few success stories in the U.S., very limited. It was in Calgary with a few offices out there. We started here. We launched, uh, got out of the gate pretty quick. Uh, by 1985, Greg had decided he needed to go off and we're great friends. So it was all very friendly, but uh, Greg decided he wanted to do some other things. And um, he continued to remain as a, um, a um, top franchise owner in the network. Still is today, him and his family. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, uh, so there's three distinct periods in our company's history. We started in Canada. Uh, I made a bold statement in 1980. I said, well, I wanted to be number one in Canada in 10 years. And we, uh, number term, in terms of market share, and we did that by 1987. And then, um, so we have three distinct periods. The Canadian period, uh, by 1989 or so, we had 5,000 agents. Mm -hmm. uh, 86, 85, 86, 87, we started to expand in the United States. Did a, acquired regional franchise rights in a bunch of states in the U.S., nine states to be exact. Mm -hmm. uh, and then over time, developed regional offices in Toronto, Mississauga, Boston, Indianapolis, and Minnesota, Minneapolis, yeah. Twin Cities. And then 1994-95, uh, we launched Remax Europe. Uh, and, um, and then the rest is history. We had uh, almost 50,000 agents. Last year, as you know, Des, uh, we received an unsolicited offer. And uh, the two families decided to sell our North American operation. 
uh, yeah. Canada, Canadian and U.S. operation. And then, uh, but we continue to own and operate. In fact, literally before I got on this podcast, I was speaking with Mike Posler, who's our European CEO, managing director. And, um, and we have 30,000 agents and 2,300 Remax offices uh, sitting in continental Europe right now. So Wow. Wow. Quite a success story. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, let's talk about how Remax shook the industry. So when I first started, brokerages like the, let's say the AE LePage, the uh, Canada Trust, they ruled. And one of the reasons they ruled was because they got a lot of the commissions from their agents when they were out there. So it was the old 50-50 concept. So Remax yes. came along. And back then, um, it was known as Remax Ontario Atlantic when, when you Correct. brought it over. Um, so tell, tell us a little bit about, about how this concept works and the type of reception that you received from all of these traditional brokerages. Well, I mean, the traditional brokerages in those days were really, I mean, they were they were regressive, not progressive. They penalized the top producers, and that was the that was the window and the, and the space that we we saw the opportunity. And the top producers were subsidizing the non-producers in the industry. Mm -hmm. And Remax continues to be the home of the top producer. And that was really the the, the bare knuckle concept: is that we were going to deliver most of the most of the commissions to the agent, keep a little small piece of it, make the agent he or she responsible for his or her own, own expenses. Uh, much like doctors and lawyers had done in other spaces and yeah. you know medical suites and so forth. So, I mean, it was a concept based on other business practices, but had never been applied to the real estate industry. Mm -hmm. And you know, we found a great opportunity to put it become a. So, our agents at Remax were out producing the competition by three to one, four to one, uh, and it continues to be the case today. They continue to be the top producers uh, in the industry around the world. Yeah, so the backlash that you faced because it it just pretty well uh, turned the whole brokerage industry on its ear. Right, that's absolutely right. We did have a lot of pushback. Um, you know, there was uh, idle threats from certain parties. I don't have to get into that, but yeah. um, you know, yeah, we look. I, I, like I said, or a statement a couple of minutes ago. Uh, I believe in a contrarian. I think the contrarian. Um, uh, approach is always is the way to go, um, mm -hmm. and uh, so that it's it's a space that I've always been comfortable in, and I mean I'm a, I've invested in numerous other businesses and other enterprises, and uh, you know I just it's the status quo is the uh, the opportunities are not where the status quo is, and uh, <laughs> and so you know whether it's you're investing in real estate I know I know we're going to get into some of that in a moment or two but mm -hmm. whether you're investing in real estate or investing in you know, other things, uh, you know, there was, uh, think about all the great companies, you know, the Facebooks of the world and Twitters and, and all these different companies that were just, you know, outlandish concepts for a while that really have yeah. become mainstays in the world today, right? So. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, this Remax concept has become pretty well mainstay now. You can't find a company out there that um, is not giving those top producers more money right. and right. taking and right. the brokers taking a little bit less for themselves. So for Frank when, and I like to always say that we gave the real estate industry a raise. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> you know, that's uh, so, I mean, we were very proud of that. And I think that, you know, if there's a legacy piece for the two of us that we did that, we did change the business. We made it a fairer place for the top producer yeah. and we made it uh, more equitable, right. For everybody concerned. And uh, I mean, more fun. I mean, we, uh, I, you know, you can't, you can't, it's great to be successful in something, but if you're not passionate and have fun at it, it's really not a sweet experience, right? So. Oh, yeah. Oh, so tell, tell me, um, why real estate for you? 
Uh, it, it just became, I mean, back, I graduated from University of Toronto in 1976. Uh, and at those days, you know, the finding jobs was a real challenge. Uh, uh, I didn't really have the money to go on to grad school and so forth. I mean, I had the grades, but I didn't have the, the money. So uh, I had to go out and make some money. So I started to sell real estate in the late 70s. It became a, a place that I could earn some money. It was half decent at it. And, um, yeah. and then... Um, you know, just get kind of morphed. It's funny how life is. It just more one thing morphs into the next, into the next, into the next. And um, it's the same thing we did with Remax. We started in Canada. When we started in Canada, you know, I could not tell you that my business model said I was going to be going into, you know, working in New England and launching, you know, 800 offices in the United States. Um, or, I, you know, that we were going to be in the 1990s working in Europe and launching across pan-European and launching yeah. in 36 countries. So you, you, I think you, I think in life opportunity presents itself to us all the time. And, um, and, you know, some of us seize it, some of us don't, some of us walk right past. I mean, all of us have been guilty of driving past a, a corner or a piece of land or a farm or something. And then, you know, just driving by it. And then five years later, we see a condo tower, we see a commercial strip plaza, we see, you know, something else, but we've been driving by it for five years. We never saw the opportunity. So I believe every one of us has opportunity to knock on our door every day. And uh, whether, and, and it's, what do you do with it? Do you capture yeah. it? Do you, you know, there, there's a mis, there's a misnomer, but you know, luck and, and so forth. I, I believe, I believe you have opportunity presented to you. Um, I believe you have to work incredibly hard and um, to really dedicate yourself to it. And whether that's in a career in real estate, whether that's a career in the arts, whether that's a career in, you know, whatever space you might be in, um, you know, there's no such thing as an overnight success. I, you know, I've been, I've been working for over 40 years having my own businesses and you know, it's been 40 years of days and 40 years of nights. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the true entrepreneur, um, the, the, what I've learned about being an entrepreneur is that, the blessing is that you can do it, uh, but the reality is that say, you have to. Yeah, sure. But what uh, you know, we, we we see these opportunities, like you say, driving by a corner and so on. But what made you act? What made you and Frank act on these opportunities to the point where you've think, built this empire? Yeah. Um, well, I think I mean, look, we built it with a lot of great people, and it's very nice to have be recognized. You know, I think one of the things most great organizations can recruit and put great people around themselves. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I'm rebuilding one right now since the, the recent Remax sale, and it's been great fun. We've uh, built out a team of twelve super smart, super smart people, sharp people. Uh, I think leaders, CEOs of companies, presidents of companies, they need to go out and find super talented people and assemble them and lead them and direct them and have the vision for them. Um, you know, we didn't do what we did without in Remax without incredible staff, uh, incredible broker owners, mm -hmm. uh, the franchise owners in our network, you know, the guys that you work for at, at Hallmark, you know, Ken and Deb and Steve. I mean, these are, these are A, they're, first of all, they're dear friends of mine. And, and number two, uh, they're just super smart people. And, yeah, sure uh, and, and they work, they, they, they look, I, you know, I remember when they were, Remax Hallmark was one office. And I think today it's 20 plus offices, 25 yeah. offices. That's when I was there and, when it was one office. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I mean, I can remember vividly the Remax signing the before uh, even the Ken and Deb heroes when there was uh, Joe uh, Kelly and Ted yeah, Joe Lormer. Joe Kelly and Ted Lormer, yeah. yeah. And, 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 and this is a little piece of trivia, as some of your listeners might find funny. We signed their franchise agreement at a St. Hubert's 
on yeah. Jarvis Street, south of uh, south of Bloor, on the east side. It was one of the early St. <laughs> Hubert's, was which was a competition to um, competition to Swiss Chalet at the time. And wow. I remember it was a rainy night. Now, what time of year it was? I'm thinking it was like March, April. It was mm -hmm. rainy. It was chilly. And I remember going in and we signed the agreement in that St. Hubert on the east side of Jarvis, south of Bloor. So there's a little piece of trivia, <laughs> trivia for yeah. your call. Great. And that first office uh, for Remax Hallmark was at Woodbine and Danforth. Right. Just a small exactly. little storefront. And yeah. since that time, uh, well, it was like I said, back then it was Joe Kelly and Ted Lorimer. And then they brought on Kent Shepard to help build right. it. And, and then, then Ken McLaughlin. Yeah, Ken McLaughlin came over. Yeah. And now we have, um, oh gosh, 1,800 agents and uh, I don't know how many offices we have, but yeah, we're Yeah, and you've got great, ma great managers, you've got great people, you've got a great sales team. And look, the, the Hallmark has made a lot of top agents very wealthy and successful. They've given mm -hmm. them financial independence by, you know, by creating this platform for a great real estate company, right? So when most people buy a home, they don't have all of the cash. Like who has a million bucks sitting around? So that's why you'll need a mortgage. And I recommend that you get in touch with Jason Georgopoulos of Dominion Lending. Jason will get you those best rights and the best terms. You can reach Jason at jasong at dominionlending.ca. So when somebody out here who's listening to this, like a consumer will say like, okay, it's great. You guys in the real estate industry, you do well, you know, you're making more, you know, higher commissions and so on. But what about me? Like, what does a good real estate agent mean to me as a consumer? Well, he or she is, I mean, if, first of all, they have to be a full-time professional. If you're not using a full-time professional, and uh, then I think you as a consumer are selling yourself short. You know, you uh, so that's step number one. Then, and I think you, as a consumer who pays the fees, should ask ask for their track record. I think you should. You're entitled. It's the you know I I've over my I'm a little older than you, and you know in my lifetime I've had a few medical challenges, mm -hmm. and you know and, and I I won't discuss them publicly, but I mean, but what you know I remember one in particular when I went to uh, one particular doctor and he gave me his assessment, and and I and I just didn't like his assessment and, you know, his probability of this and probability of that. And, and then I w went and seeked out some of the best medical help that I could have re gotten. And I, I did, I happened to find it in New York and, mm -hmm. um, and uh, you know, the results have been unbelievable. Now, if I would have, if I would have accepted that first, if I would have accepted that first commentary, um, then I don't think I would be in the position that I might be in today. So, oh. so, so my my point here is is, in, is the consumer uses a real real estate services. He or she should be going out asking what their track record is, their assessment of property, how they're going to service this, how they're going to merchandise it, how they're going to market yeah. it, where the audience is for the buyer and seller of this particular product, uh, this this piece of real estate or condo or house, whatever it might be, and um, and then you know of course. Uh, uh, make that choice, make that business decision at that point in time. Mm -hmm. I, I think, you know, co commissions are, commissions are um, secondary to the service that you're going to get. You know, yeah. you can rent a hotel room for, for $59 a night and you can rent a hotel experience for $500 a night. Mm -hmm. And you as a consumer have to make a decision. You know, uh, I mean, I've stayed at some of those brands in my early days in my companies <laughs> and that, we that and I, I yeah we all have right as you're building an organization so and now uh, you know so 
I don't begrudge anybody making money. I don't begrudge anybody. Everybody has to feed their kids. Everybody has to put their kids through college. Everybody has to enjoy life. Uh, and then you make consumer choices. You know, I may choose to, you know, I may choose to fly business class in an aircraft because I've been on aircraft so often. You may choose to fly Rouge in the back and row 38. We both make those consumer choices. Yeah. And I'm yeah, prepared to right. pay for mine and you're prepared to pay for yours. So. Right. Uh, so we're going through a lot of boom time. Well, we were going through quite the boom. Um, things are settling a little bit, but it's still, we're, we're booming. Mm -hmm. And you've seen a lot of ups and downs, you know, through your 40 years in the business. And I know that even with a successful business model, um, we've had a lot of offices that had to shut down during those times, like the recessions in the 80s and so on. So um, your clients... You know, you being Walter Schneider, Remax Integra, your clients are basically the brokerages. They were right? certainly yeah, yeah, the yeah. when I was there right. until I yeah. left. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, how did you um, help them or not help them? Well, you know, get 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 through those times. And you know, we had a lot of offices close. It didn't matter how successful, but you know, I remember back the late eighties, early nineties. I experienced it. I had my own little real estate office as well that I lost. It was not a Remax office. I, I did so well at Remax my first few years. I thought I was something else. I went and opened up my own office uh, in the late '80s. Um, it was a Realty World franchise, and I lost that in um, in two years. It was all mm -hmm. over. So mm -hmm. I know you've seen ups and downs and so on. Just let's talk about some of the, the support that you would give some of these franchisees through the years. Well, I think I mean you know I, it's probably not. I, I had to sort of coach some or couch some of the comments I'm going to make. I mean, certainly during our era, I think we served our customers very well. I believe in customer service. I believe in relationships. I believe in, uh, you know, working with people. Um, and so each, you know, you're, you, we, I think at Integra at the time, we're very proud of the, the way we serviced our network. I think you have to inspire and lead. Mm -hmm. I think you have to be a role model. I, you know, I think for our, your own staff, you've got to be prepared to, um, you know, uh, I've never asked anybody to do something that I'm not willing to do. Uh, and so, um, you know, sometimes you just look, there are in, in businesses have cycles. There's good times and bad times, soft times and brisk times. And, you know, I've always believed in my career for me personally, that I never over celebrate the highs and I never, I never sort of, uh, you know, go to the lowest points. I, I just realized there's always light at the end of the tunnel. There's, um, uh, there's, uh, you know, some bright times down all the bad times won't stay bad times forever. And all the good times don't stay good times forever. Mm -hmm. So, and, and if you're, if you're a business person that's been around for a long time, you'll, you'll any, you know, whether in this space in, in manufacturing and in, you know, client services, financial services, whatever businesses have, <laughs> have cycles. Look at the, look at the, in the U S and 08, 09, the big, uh, the big credit meltdown with uh, yeah. mortgage foreclosures. And, you know, fortunately in Canada, we didn't have that because mm -hmm. a lot of our lending policies are much more regulated than they are in the United yeah, States. Exactly. You know, Europe had a big, a big crisis. Um, and so forth. And then you get in certain countries around the world that are having rampant inflation right now. Like, so in South America, for instance, a lot of countries are going through rampant inflation and devaluation of currencies. Uh, you know, we have, I think today in the world, some, some unrest, obviously, clearly we do. I mean, COVID has been, you know, two and a half years ago, if I would have mentioned the word COVID to you, you wouldn't even know what that was. No, not at right, all. Right, right. And in March of 20, you know, all hell broke loose. And, 
you know, we all had the world and the world pivoted and adjusted to dealing with COVID. And so, you know, it wasn't retail had to figure it out. Real estate had to figure it out. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, going to the dentist wasn't a simple thing anymore because no. you got to open your mouth to, you know, somebody <laughs> sitting eight inches from your face, drilling ah, in your mouth. Yeah, don't right. on me. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, and look at the, look at all the poor folks in the hospitality business, how they had to cope with uh, the restaurants and hotels. And, um, you know, and some companies came out of this great. They, they reinvented themselves. Right. Yeah. And, um, well, I, real one of the things, you know, one of the things, one of the things I can tell you about business is that nothing stays static, and it's never the right time. And yeah. and, and it's you know you can, you know, for whatever reason you had some challenges in your in your business opportunity that when you launched your business, and I I, I don't know what what went on there, but it's you know that I, we I launched my Frank and I launched Remax Europe in 1995, and you know. Um, so we were launching into a market that had no MLS, mm -hmm. that had uh, no uh, no real structure licensing in most countries. Uh, we were 5,000 miles away, six time zones away. Um, and I had a minor detail going on in my life at the time. I had uh, three kids under the age of six, under the age of five. Yeah, there me. you go. So that was a minor little detail. And, yeah. you know, my wife was incredible. And so, you know, you're commuting and you're flying back and forth and you're, you're burning money every month. And we, we didn't, we didn't make any money in Europe for eight years. Mm, um, yes. and we, we fed, we subsidized the business. So, you know, there was many times we could have thrown the towel in and, and we didn't. And, uh, you know, because we believe fundamentally that the, the idea was sound. And so basically any of the money we were making in North America, we were reinvesting in that company and, um, making it, uh, you know, make it, making it run. So, yeah, um, so, so anybody, yeah. you, I think real estate, look in real estate, uh, does you, as an investor or whatever, you have to take the long view. And, um, if you take the long view, um, you're always going to be fine. Yeah, yeah, that's and that's what I, the, the conversation I have with my clients too, because with this the market that we've had over the last decade, prices are going up. You're right. in bidding wars, and the conversation is always okay. Look, at you're going to pay a little bit more than what you thought you were going to pay. You might even be overpaying, but in the long term, you're going to be all right as long as you're not looking at selling this thing in a year from now. But if you're looking long term, five, seven, ten years, you're going to be fine. And boy. That brings us to 2020, like you said, COVID and the real estate market just taking off like crazy after we made that adjustment. Everybody got used to, you know, how to do business during COVID and the boom that we've seen over the last two years. So tell me a little bit about that from your experience. You know, obviously nobody's seen anything like that, but did you think that would ever happen? I thought there was going to be, and I, there was for a while. I thought there was going to be some challenges in the Airbnb space. Obviously, hotel and hospitality had a had a had a had a big problem. Obviously, Airbnb has come back hard and fast. And but I thought there was a there was, there was a window there where that the fractional, you know, that. But no, I mean, look, we 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 look. The fundamentals for real estate continue to be consistent. The fundamentals are: we have an inventory issue, we have yeah. a, we have Im immigration coming in. We have family formation. When I when I started selling real estate in the 1970s, the the profile of the buyer was totally different than it is today. So my when I <clears throat> started selling real estate, it was mom, dad, a couple of dogs, a station wagon, yeah. and uh, you know a kid or a kid or two, and uh, you know you drive them around. And so you know people laugh, and you know if you're if you're under the age of 40, you don't even know what a station wagon is. <laughs> we uh, had a couple but, of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to be a certain age age group, yeah. but 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 uh, it's like a Rolodex. I, I was speaking mm -hmm. on the weekend at an event. And I said to someone, I said, 
I see, you know, this friend of mine has an incredible Rolodex. And I said, if you're under the age of 40, you don't even know what a Rolodex is. It's just a little mm -hmm. plastic wheel thing with business cards stuck <laughs> on it that has names and addresses and phone numbers on it. Yeah, uh, yeah. But so, what? so what? yeah, so, so what's, what is that? Yeah, contact <laughs> manager today. Um, but anyhow, so, so look, in real estate, um, back to why the demand continues to be so high is inventory issues. There is uh, immigration coming in. Uh, family formation, the profile of a buyer today. You got 25% of the, the population today is, you know, uh, husband, wife, or partner with kids. You got 25% of the buying population today without kids. Mm -hmm. Then you have 22% of the buying population, a buying profile today are single females. Uh, yeah. which, which, you know, then you have a, a nine or 10% are same sex couples. Yeah. So, so the, the point I made earlier is the profile of the, of the customer was so different when I started to what he or what the profile of the customer looks like today. And then you got reclamation or regentrification re of neighborhoods that's gone on. Look at, look at yeah. Toronto and areas that, you know, 25 yeah, we wouldn't years. Touch. We wouldn't have touched. Correct. Correct. You know, you know, it's funny. One of my one of my longtime friends is a lifetime resident of the beach in Toronto. Mm -hmm. The beach, the beaches back in the '60s, with the beaches when it was called the beaches in those days, yeah. uh, were like it was like a blue collar, scruffy neighborhood. Yeah, and, and, and I know your looked, friend, and I know his parents. Yeah. Right, right, <laughs> and and he lived he lives on a particular street called Kippen Davy, and yeah, exactly, and, and, right, and so you know, and look at Queen Street today, and look look at areas like the distillery, the junction. Look yeah. at areas like. Uh, Liberty Village, right? Uh, Liberty, and and look at reclamation areas like look look that's gone along Dupont and streets like that, and Danforth and Pape, and yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously, you want Trontonia, Tony, and so we are audiences that maybe are listening in other parts of the country, but look at Hamilton as a city that's gone through reclamation. Look 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 at Ottawa, parts of Ottawa that have gone through that. You're going to have a shift now, Des. In my mind, you're going to have a shift. It's already it's already happening. Uh, work from home has redefined what the workplace looks like. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, you know, it's interesting uh, what small town Canada has started to morph into small town USA. Like, like for instance, you know, there's a big movement, obviously, to Florida and places like that. But there's big movements in the U.S. to towns like Pittsburgh, Des Moines, Iowa, Kansas City, St. Louis, because these towns are still <coughs> Cleveland. They're still yeah. very affordable. Um, and, you know, price points in those cities you can still buy a single family. I looked at a, a friend of mine's in Columbus, Ohio. I looked at a single family detached house in Columbus and it's like brand new, 23, 2400 square feet, nice lot, 40 foot lot, selling yeah. in for 380. Yeah, I knew you were going to say something like that. Yeah, you so know, there so, you go. So so there you go. So yeah. people, are, people are leaving some of the Bostons and the high expensive cities of the Bostons, the New Yorks, the Washingtons, mm -hmm. and they're relocating because work... Um, you know, we, we have an IT service provider for our new family office, and he has one of his coders that lives in Venezuela and does all the coding for him in from Venezuela there. from there for yeah. an IT company that does service for me in Toronto, right? Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, get back to location. We have a saying now, there's no such thing as a bad location. There are just mm -hmm. some locations that are a little bit less desirable than others. And that's right. basically where we're at right now with with the change that we're seeing, you know, like you say, not just in Toronto, but in other centers uh, around the US. So as we get ready to wrap up here, Walter, um, you know, with all of the the boom that we've seen, the, uh, the crazy activity that we've seen here in Ontario, mm -hmm. right across the country, actually, um, along comes the 
you know, I guess people concerned about the transparency and what's been going on in our business. And that seems to come up all the time. So based on that, we're hearing different things from the federal government with um, wanting to mandate um, open bidding. We're hearing the Green Party that's um, in the provincial election right now saying they're going to have open bidding. We've got our, our premier here in Ontario saying, no, 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 closed bidding is fine. We'll just leave it up to the... We just leave it up to the seller to decide. What are your thoughts on all this? I mean, with all of these things, and you've seen a lot of changes through the industry, you know, well, through I, the yeah, years. Right, uh, right, and, right. you know, and I think a lot of the changes have been great because they have helped the consumer. So what, what do you think? Are we going to have a more transparent real estate industry right across the country and the world for that matter? Well, you know what? That's, these are political questions. It's probably it's best. I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm waffling, <laughs> yeah. but it's yeah. probably best. I mean, I'm not. I'm not engaged as a franchisor anymore today in Canada or mm-hmm. in the real estate business. I will say that I think that we need to rethink. There, here's here's what. Let me kind of go at this a little differently. I think we need to rethink the product, and I think, like for instance, the great the GTA right now. On any given night, there's something like two million empty bedrooms. Wow. And, Okay, so like my late mother, for instance, who who passed away a number of years ago, lived in a three-bedroom bungalow in Etobicoke. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have capacity to provide more housing for people. We just need to re- – and the capacity is sitting there. We just yep. need to th- – we need to rethink how we deliver all that. So all this kind of commentary you're asking me about is being brought about, about because of scarcity and bid bidding wars and bully offers and all that yeah. stuff that's out there. And what we really need to be thinking about is a, a housing strategy. With all due respect, you know, the last federal government, the last federal budget, rather, you know, was so here's, here's the reality about provide, for bringing more housing into the market. The reality is you don't have the carpenters. You don't yeah. have the plumbers. They're on strike right you, now. You, you well, whatever. You don't have the bricklayers. <laughs> yeah. You don't have the yeah. guys laying shingle. That's mm-hmm. your challenge. You, you just, if there's a shortage, there is a shortage, and we're going to need to go out and openly. Re- now, now I'm going to get into some immigration oh, policy. Yeah, exactly. but, you're, you're getting but, political but, here. You didn't want to yeah, do I'm, that. No, I didn't want to get political, <laughs> right? But, you know, we need to, like, you know, I have a good friend of mine has a, as a, is a, He's a premier cottage builder up in Muskoka. He went to Germany and brought in something like 25 carpenters on two-year contracts, Finnish-type carpenters, high-end mm-hmm. quality. So we need to rethink about how we deliver the product, not this kind of, you know, we don't have the mechanisms in place to execute. It's really great to go out and we're, we're building like three, 400,000 houses a year. And what's great mm-hmm. to want to build a million houses, we can't build we a can't. million houses. It's, it's, no, we, exactly. we can't. We don't have the mechanisms. So let's address that question first. Let's, address, let's figure out a way to address those questions and bring product to market. Uh, if we had more product and market, all these other challenges that we have right now that everybody's like picking on right now yeah. is, would go away. Yeah. So yeah, let's definitely. bring more product to market and there's ways to do it. And, you know, um, there's like, like I said before, there's 2 million empty bedrooms in Toronto every given night. And we can get, I mean, I can come back and talk to you about cottage country one time. And yeah. That, that's what, what we're what supposed to talk about a little bit today, but we've run out of time. Yeah. I'm going to get you back. <laughs> yeah. That's all right. Anyhow, I, I hope that, uh, so I, so those are sort of my thoughts. Look, real estate is the best investment. Uh, you know, you cannot live in a mutual fund. Yeah, and so so you know, and so real estate's the best investment. And to any young couple out there that's listening on this, you know, go go find yourself a place that you're going to be happy with, raising your family, building a family nucleus. Find it somewhere and invest in that, and take the long view. You're going to be okay. Walter, thank you very much for your time. 
My pleasure, my friend. Anytime. Yeah, Always a pleasure seeing you guys. Yeah, it was stay, stay safe and healthy. Stay safe and healthy. All yeah, right. you too. All Thank right. you very right, much. Man. And that's Walter Schneider, the president and co-founder of Remax Integra Group of Companies. And that's our latest episode of Sold in the Six. If you like this episode, please subscribe and you'll get these episodes automatically. And also, please feel free to forward this episode to a friend. I want to thank my producers, the Story Studio Network. And if you need to get in touch with me, send me an email. I'm at des at desmondbrown.ca. I'm also on social media, all of the major platforms, Instagram, Twitter, you know, Facebook. And my handle is Des in the Six. I also have a website, in the six realestate.com. And the six is spelt the cool way. The number six, IX. Until next time, I'm Desmond Brown. Mm-hmm.